There's a poem by the great Welsh poet priest R.S. Thomas. It's called The Prayer. He kneeled down, dismissing his orisons as inappropriate. One by one they came to his lips and were swallowed, but without bile. He fell back on an old prayer. Teach me to know what to pray for. He listened. After the weather of his asking, no still, small voice, only the parade of ghosts, casualties of his past intercessions. He held out his hands, cupped as though to receive blood leaking from life's side. They remained dry, as his mouth did. But the prayer he formed, deliver me from the long drought of the mind. Let leaves from the deciduous cross fall on us, washing us clean, turning our autumn to gold by the affluence of their fountain. Jesus is walking on his way to Jerusalem between Samaria and Galilee. He was wandering on a border. Great places, borders, aren't they? I belong here, you belong there. I'm in, you're out. This is a barrier between us. And between Samaria and Galilee, it was a border. On one side were Jews, on one side were Samaritans. Samaritans had been and were Hebrews of the ancient tribe of Israel. On the Galilee side, they were the Judeans of the tribe of Judah. They were the true Jews because they were the ones who worshipped at the temple, whereas the Samaritans had rejected the temple. So Jesus is walking along between two areas, and as he enters a village, he's met by ten lepers. They stand at a distance and lift up their voices, saying, Jesus, have mercy on us. Now, we know the story because we've just heard it. And we know what it's about, don't we? Ten go along, and only one comes back to say thank you as they're healed on their way. So really, this is a sermon about gratitude, isn't it? And how we ought to be grateful. No. Actually, that has nothing to do with what's going on in this passage. The first clue about what's going on in this passage, as I've just hinted, is the fact that it's happening between Samaria and Galilee. 
we're kind of in no man's land. The second clue is that there were ten lepers. Now, as you will probably have gathered by now, numbers in the Bible always have significance. The fact that there were ten lepers doesn't mean that there weren't nine and there weren't eleven. It was one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Of course, there may have just been ten lepers. But the ten tells us something significant. Because ten is the number of the law. Ten commandments. Ten is the number that says this is how we live in God's presence. That's what the number ten means. Ten lepers. Okay, so we're now in a story that has something to do with living in God's presence, and it's in the borderland between Samaria and Judea, Galilee. Ten lepers, of course, lepers are outcasts. And because they're outcasts, they're outside the law. They're not allowed to come into any of the villages. They are socially distanced. Remember that phrase? So lepers stand outside of the village and shout in, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And Jesus says, go and show yourselves to the priest. Hmm, interesting thing to say, isn't it? Where do you find a priest? In the temple, which is where Jesus was going anyway. So Jesus is telling these ten lepers to go to the temple. Why do you go to the temple? Because that's where you meet God. You go there to offer your praises, to offer your sacrifices, to meet the priest and to say your prayers and to receive forgiveness. That's what you do. That's where you find the priest. So Jesus is sending them to the temple, and on the way, they're healed. One of those ten stops. Now, we know from later in the story that the one who stops is the Samaritan. The other nine we are to take are Jews. And they do what? They've been cleansed. And Jesus has told them to go to the temple. So what do they do? They carry on to go to the temple to offer their thanks and praise to God. This isn't a story about being ungrateful at all. But the Samaritan who actually didn't really want to go to the temple anyway because he doesn't believe in that place. That's not where you really encounter God. Twigged. And he turned round, knowing that actually it was Jesus that had healed them. 
So he comes back to say thank you. Jesus says to him, were not ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? And now here comes the bombshell. Because this next sentence that Jesus utters turns the entirety of Judaism on its head. This passage is one of the most subversive in the entire Bible. Jesus says, Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God? Except this foreigner. Do you see what's going on? It was only the foreigner that understood where God was to be found and thanked and praised. And where was it? At Jesus' feet. Not in a temple. All of a sudden, Jesus has become the temple of God's presence. That's what's going on in this passage. And the only one who got it was the foreigner. The illegal immigrant crossing on the dinghy. That kind of foreigner. The one outside. The one who's got it all wrong. The one who doesn't belong. Who doesn't know anything about worship. And here he is. Why? Because as an outsider, he's listened. He's understood something. And he's realised that this is where I encounter God. And so Jesus says to him, Rise up, go on your way. Your faith has made you well. Where was his faith? In that one who just told them to go to the temple. And he realized this is the temple here. That's why he came and he prostrated himself before Jesus. And that's what we do, isn't it? That's why we come here. Because we prostrate ourselves before the living God who reveals himself to us in this wandering rabbi in the desert who says extraordinary things that disrupt the entire establishment. But they're done so subtly that only those with ears Perceive what's going on. Only those whose spirits are really searching for God can see where the light is, where the green growth is. This is where God is to be encountered. Not where everyone else says. Paul, in his letter to Timothy, is trying really hard to encourage this young lad to stand up to the bullies in the church. You know, the older ones who think they know better. 
because he's a youngster, probably in his 20s, maybe in his late teens. But Paul's taken a shine to him, having known both his mother and his grandmother, and laid hands on him and blessed him and called out this gift. And as part of this encouragement, because Timothy's kind of having been hurt by things that people have said and done to him, has kind of retired into himself and stopped doing anything, stayed at home and kind of hidden behind his mum's skirts. But Paul writes to him and says to him, here's something that's worth standing on, Timothy. And it's these words I want us to hear in the light of this Jesus that we've just been talking about, where we encounter God. If we have died with him, that's our baptism, right? That's what baptism is, letting go of ourselves, giving everything back to God, saying it's no longer us that lives, it's Christ who lives in us. If we have died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure through all the pain, the hardship, the rejection, the difficulties that we face in life, when things get tough and we, don't, we wonder, is God there at all? If we endure, we will also reign with him. Now listen very carefully to this next one, because this is the one that's most dangerous. If we deny him, he will also deny us. And that we don't want. Because this is the God we encounter who gives life. This is the one who says, come and have abundant life. But you have to say, he is the one. But then there's this extraordinary next phrase. If we are faithless. I don't know about you, but sometimes I feel utterly faithless. I just wonder what on earth is going on. Where are you, God? Where are you? If we are faithless, he remains faithful because he cannot deny himself. And his faith is that he knows you and loves you. And no matter what you do, you cannot ever turn him away from having that faith in you. You are chosen, you are called, you are loved, and he will never let you go, regardless of how difficult you find things or how difficult you find it to believe. He is always there for you. And that, brothers and sisters, is worth holding on to in the darkest of moments. So come to the living temple where we encounter the God of creation.
who knows you, knows your name, and will not let you go. Amen.